Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown. I'm back with Jugsy and Chadzi and I'm looking at uh, two beaming faces at the moment. Uh, they've made up, I'm, I'm glad to say, after this weekend. Um, it was a historic weekend for them. Another 100 partnership, wasn't it, boys? Yeah, uh, people don't tune into this podcast aims to hear about our cricketing partnerships and, and what we've done at the weekend. So let's not spend more than 10 minutes on it. Um, but yeah, me, me and Jugs batted to open the batting together on Sunday and uh, had a 130 partnership, which was very enjoyable and got saw us bonding together after differences of opinions in recent weeks. So uh, yeah, nice to, nice to be back on the same wavelength. How was it being out on the pitch there, Jugsy? Um Obviously, a bit of animosity between you two. It's, it's not. It's been a bit touchy those last couple of weeks. What was our first fist pump like? Yeah, I mean, it was a great place to play cricket. We played at Stonely Abbey, which is uh, one of the nicest grounds in the country, I'd say. And uh, yeah, me and Chadzi started off the partnership not barely talking, even though we had a good result the night before. Um, but by by the end of it, in between overs, we were sort of analysing the game, talking about Watkins, and yeah, just loving it really. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's good for the podcast that we're now amicable and uh, mates again. And yeah, really positive about Villa. Um, so I think it's good news for all involved. Great news. Yeah, really good, really good news. It was um, touch and go for a while. And uh, I'm sure listeners will be really happy about that. You know, I- I've heard a lot, of, a lot of people, you know, they say they only, they only listen really and tune in for, for you guys. So uh, nothing to do with me or anything like that. So this show is all about you guys. So it's good to see you back on terms. Another, your second 100 partnership, isn't it, together, I think? Yeah, last time we batted together was 10 years ago. And uh, it was a 100 partnership, so now we're now we're back together. Hopefully it can be a regular thing. Good news, good news. Um, my cricketing days are over, unfortunately. Uh, I haven't picked up a bat in anger in a couple of years, but... You need to get back out there, mate. I know, mate. I need to get back out there. I need to get back out there. But good, good to see. Uh, let's talk about the game, obviously. Uh, our first win in what seems like absolute ages... And not just a, a win, but one of our best performances of the season. Our probably our best performances since Crystal Palace. We've had loads of comments, loads of questions, loads to talk about. Uh, but let's, as always, start with you, Chadzi, and just give a general summary of your your thoughts on the game, the performance, the result. Yeah, it was a brilliant night, wasn't it? It's nice to come on and not be searching for positives. There very much at the forefront of the analysis of the game. You know, Villa looked brilliant on, on Saturday night. It was a very f- free-flowing performance, confident, slick, progressive passing, everyone on the same wavelength, one touch. You know, the, the second goal really encapsulated the sort of one-touch progressive nature of our attack and the confidence of Al Ghazi to get the shot away. Sort of, um, yeah, like I say, encapsulated a, a, an outstanding team performance. I thought the midfield was... Really well balanced. Barkley had another good day. Louise used the ball well. McGinn, um, we know that he guarantees energy, but I think he was better on the ball as well. I thought Ollie Watkins was just absolutely outstanding from the first minute to last. And I was delighted for him that he got the goal that he deserved in front of Southgate. And I think he he will his performances in recent months will definitely have um Mate, got got Southgate thinking and, you know, I'd like to see him as part of that Euro squad now because nobody works harder in, in the whole league from the, and the stats back that up. So um, it's nice to see that he's finally getting the, the goals that reward that hard work. I thought the wingers used the space that um, Everton's fullbacks let them have really well. Traore had a good night. 
Al Ghazi obviously I think uh, had a good night capped off by the goal and from, from 1 to 11 really um, I think it was good to see Matty Cash come back and put in a, a, another excellent performance um, to sort of uh, apologise for his um, discrepancy against against City. So, you know, it's really hard to pick out individual players. I just think um, it, it was great to see. And like you say, our first really excellent performance in, in a long time. And hopefully that does, uh, does bode well for the next few weeks. Yeah, no, it really, really was. And I think we saw signs of that performance in the West Brom game. You know, attacking-wise, we were very fluid. Uh, just defensively, we looked a bit suspect. But I thought we looked... Fairly decent all over the pitch, and not really a bad player. Um, I remember we were talking on the on the on the group chat, and I was saying everyone's playing really well apart from Al Ghazi, and then he's obviously stepped up with the winner. So, you know, what more can you ask from from him? Really, uh, we were going to do the good, the bad, and ugly again as we did last time, but really, there's not much to um, criticise Villa or, or, or really look down on or be negative about anything. Really, I think the only ugly thing that we saw was Alan's tackling himself when Troy skipped past him um, and I keep watching it over and over again it was a really cool piece of skill and uh, sort of summarise sort of um, as Chazzy said it encapsulated uh, my Troy's performance and the team's performance in terms of our swagger and the confidence we played with Jugsy your thoughts on that on that first half especially because Villa were especially in our first half were fantastic created numerous chances really fluid going forward what, what, what sort of moments stood out players stood out for you in that, in that first half yeah, I thought we were really dominant and yeah, we were probably unfortunate to be level at the break really. I thought we played really well and had the majority of the good chances and were probably a bit unlucky where we got into some really good positions and sort of the final ball wasn't great. And yeah, it was really p- pleasing, fluid performance. Um, as you guys have mentioned, I thought the combination of midfield is probably the right balance for us where you've got McGinn and Louise and McGinn's probably pushed up a little bit forward. So we've played with a six, eight and a 10, I think more than we had with sort of a double pivot in midfield with McGinn Louise. I think McGinn has, has had a bit more of a free license to, to join the, the attack, which I think has definitely helped his game. But I thought Barkley again uh, was instrumental. I thought there's been a lot of question marks of him and justifiably with his sort of lack of effort, I would say in games, but there is something behind the scenes, but he seems to have turned it around the last couple of games. So never really write off a player. And I think he's always had the talent. I thought he provided the perfect link for the midfield and the and attack. So he was a perfect fall on that left-hand side. So com- combining with Bill Garzi and Watkins. And yeah, I think we've got to give a shout out to Watkins's performance. I thought, um, I'm not sure who the co-commentator was now, but he mentioned his movement off um, sort of, um, you can't see it when you're watching it on TV, but in the ground, his movement just unbelievable where Mings is long ball. He's pressurising the both centre-backs, getting the ball, controlling it, linking up play. And he's playing against Godfrey and Holgate, who are probably two of the quickest centre-backs in the league. And he's, do you know what I mean, out, outpacing them, outmuscling them and making them look very average. So I thought that was a perfect performance. And his goal was just a, an example of that through hard work and determination, closing down the centre-back. And it was a nice finish, really, in the end. Um, so I thought that just summed up Watkins and his season, really. He just offers us so much uh, as a striker, not just his goals, his link-up play, his hold-up play, just the all-round package. And we can't be more pleased with him and his signing. I think he's justified his transfer free and more. He's probably worth double what we've paid for him. And he's definitely a shoe-in for, for the um, championship, Euros, Euros um, squad for me. So really pleased to see him 
put put in a performance like that. And I think Southgate was there as well. So um, that should be a, a real positive. So I thought, yeah, going forward, we were really threatening. I thought Truro had his best game uh, for a while. He was really good. Um, I thought uh, from an attacking perspective, um, the fullbacks offered a lot as well. So I thought Cash uh, was a good sort of addition back in because he sort of overlapped. He put in a great ball for Watkins in that first half where Watkins uh, was unlucky not to score. And I think the follow-up, um, Al Ghazi at the bar. Um, There's a couple of times where I think we tried to, Watkins got through on the right-hand side and tried to pull back, or I think Troy did, and we were unlucky because Pickford sort of smothered it. So I thought we were, yeah, really good. Um, I think it was a really good game plan by by Smith, really, because he used Ming's his ability with the ball to be an outlet in terms of being quite direct, even though obviously we played some nice football at times. That sort of direct ball was really, really worked well. So he must have spotted a weakness uh, with the Everton sort of back line. I think especially um, the centre-backs, I think they were uncomfortable with that long ball. And uh, we exploited that right-hand channel, really, because I thought Digne pushed up quite a bit, so Toro had a bit more sort of space to attack. So I think it was a perfect game plan by Smith as well. So got to give a bit of credit to the management as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right there, Joe. A lot of points covered there, some interesting points. We had a quick, we had a sort of comment from, from Pearson on Twitter. He said he, he said the same thing about the midfield. It seemed like a 6 8 10 setup. Uh, a bit like Ndidi, Tillemans and, and Madison, how they play for, for Leicester. Uh, he was asking, is this the way forward rather than using the double pivot? Because uh, you know, everything obviously seemed much more fluid and, and field gaps defensively. But obviously you can't judge it in one game, can you? Um, it did seem like Everton did weren't great in terms of um, the way they defended, the way they pressed, the amount of gaps they left, as, as you mentioned, Edinia going forward. And, and so we had a, another comment uh, from, from Matt Seachads, um, Sort of, he said his comments more semi-positive. He said this, you know, this is obviously the most fluid and positive performance since, since Burnley or Crystal Palace. But what was was that because we did something different in terms of the way we played and the way that we pressed, etc.? Or do you think it was because Everton allowed us, you know, an absurd amount of space as he puts it in the first half? Or did you put it down to Chad's? Um, don't hold yourself back from being fully positive. You know, you don't have to be semi-positive. It's okay to uh, try and find the positives. Um, yeah, look, Everton's home record is pretty poor. It's not like we've gone to the Etihad and won. Um, so I'm not getting absolutely carried away, but it's just nice to see Villa playing well. You know, it doesn't really matter who we're playing. We've played West Brom, we've played Fulham, we've played Sheffield United, Newcastle in the last few months and not been as free-flowing as that. So Everton are a team that are sitting above us in the league and have been pushing for European places, have spent a lot of money, have got a... a um, a well-renowned manager that's won plenty of European titles, European Cups uh, and, and league titles all around Europe. So, um, like I said, you, you can look into any good performance and find the negatives in the opposition, but I'd, I'd rather focus on Villa. And I just thought, um, yeah, we did we did maximise the space that um, Everton left for us, especially in that full-back areas. But that's, that's all part and parcel of the game, isn't it? I think... Um, Smith should get the credit. You know, that's Ancelotti, Arteta a couple of times, Bielsa, Rodgers, Nuno. There's some top top managers that have managed all around Europe in some of the top leagues. And little old Dean Smith, who's come from Warsaw and Brentford and gets stick every time we, we put in a poor performance, is rightly um, should, should get the credit when it goes well. So, um, yeah, we, I just think um, the, the players and the management should should get the credit they deserve for what I thought was the best performance this year. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, as you say, look, Dino's, he's, he's beaten Klopp, he's beaten Arteta twice. 
Uh, you know, he's, he's beaten numerous good managers throughout his time here. Um, so he's not, a ba- he's obviously not a bad manager and we're definitely going places. And, and then sort of Dan Reynolds encapsulated that in his comment where he says, you know, um, th- the best way to look at it probably, and I think this, I was thinking the same thing is, you know, we could have been out of sight against a team on the verge of Europe, a team that's been built over the last 10 years or so with lots of money. Remember, you know, they've, they've spent a lot of money. They've got numerous players that they've spent money on in excess of what we spent in terms of our record signing. So it shows you the amount of money that's been sent in the squad that they have. And, and as Dan Reynolds says, you know, we could have been outside against a team on the verge of that without our best player. You know, he says it goes without saying, obviously we've been inconsistent, but it's clear to see that we're building something. It might not happen uh, as quick as people want, but it's coming. And I, I think, you know, that's what we've been saying on, on the pod for a while now. It's um, it's not been a reality check as such, but it's just a... It's just a, an, an opportunity to understand exactly where the squad is at, and, and that early form and the early part of the season was fantastic. But you know, we, we know the the gaps in the squad. We know the areas that we need to improve on. Jackie Chazzy mentioned there about exploiting the fullback space. I think uh, Matty Cash was was key in that, and the way that he went up and down the pitch and obviously makes a massive difference. Uh, we had a few comments obviously last time when when he got sent off against uh, Man City. Uh, Digger of the Dig Dog was, was one of those who was quite critical of Matty Cash and his, his sort of rashness. Uh, but he, you know, he was he was quite uh, well. He was praising Matty Cash a lot after the performance uh, on uh, against against um, Everton. Uh, you know, he, he said he thought he had one of his best games in Claret Blue. A great way to say sorry to the fans. As sort of Chad said earlier. Also, also thinks obviously Barkley put in better performance. And I, I just think that the way they linked up all together. On the right hand side, and obviously helped Trora as well, who had an excellent performance. What did you make the way that we attacked down that right hand side? Aside for us, that's been not a weak point, but it's been an area where we've had issues and concerns. What did you think of the way that Trora and Cash uh, sort of interacted on the right hand side, and, and how, how much more effective we were from that right hand side? Yeah, I thought um, I think the combination of Cash and Trora um, should really work because obviously Trora being left footed, he can come on the inside, and Cash has got the energy. And the fitness really to overlap and be that threat. And I thought Cash's quality with the ball, we've seen it numerous times this season where he's very dangerous putting balls into the box. So his crossing is very good of a high standard. And I just want to see a bit more from that. I think he's got a lot more to offer going forward. And obviously we've been solid defensively and he's been a big part of that. Obviously his stats really back that up in terms of his tackle rates and, and, and things like that really. So I think it was a real good positive performance and it was good to see that we're not reliant on our left-hand side like we normally are. So it was good to see us a bit more balanced and it was definitely an area we wanted to exploit because I don't think Dinier got much support um, from that left-hand midfield really. Um, so it was obviously a game plan then and it really paid off. And I think it shows the strength of character and it shows the unity in the, in the squad. Cash obviously putting a performance like that after coming back from suspension. He didn't get his head down, sort of got his... Um, sort of back up and wanted to, to prove a point really, which is really positive. And I thought Algarzi as well, I thought I'd mention him and his goal because I think this time last season or a few weeks ago last season, uh, he had a big miss against Everton and obviously that caused him to get off Twitter and um, there's sort of a lot of negative reaction for him basically bottling a chance. And obviously players don't mean it, you know what I mean? Anyone's capable of making a mistake or... Uh, you know what I mean missing a chance and I thought it was good strength of character really to come back at Goodison Park and score the winner it was a great goal and that's eight goals in 12 starts for Agazi so again it just shows a bit more strength in character I think 
that's just positive for the future where we're building um, sort of characters within the squad that can come back from sort of negative results or negative performances. And uh, it just shows that they are interested in, in Smith and there's good morale there within the team. I think um, there's an article, I think, that we read um, in Birmingham Live about how the players have got each other's backs and especially the, the players were so pleased for Agazi to get the winner and Conser has been saying that he's obviously a great finisher in training and that's the sort of thing he's capable of. That's what that top top corner finish. So I think, uh, yeah, really, really pleased. Yeah, yeah, really, really pleased. We'll come on to the second half in a second, but I mean, that goal... I just, I just knew he was going to hit it in. I don't know why. Normally, nine times out of ten, he'll hit it straight at the keeper or, or over. But I just had this feeling it was going to go in, and and, and it proved to be. Um, we'll talk, we'll talk about that goal later, and and uh, and and sort of the overall performance in the second half as well. But uh, another player we've mentioned uh, throughout this pod today is is Barkley, um, and we sort of saw again signs of his an upturn in his performances against West Brom, where I thought he was much more effective. Um, much more effective going forward and, and, and you know, trying to do more stuff and it looked like he had a bit of, bit of confidence back he was excellent against against Everton wasn't he uh, Chads and, and and not only in terms of his output his output's always fairly good he's, he's obviously a very creative player but if you look at the stats he covered the most distance of any player in the game uh, 11.4k uh, which you know obviously it, can, it doesn't necessarily mean he's had a great game or anything like that but he's obviously trying to work hard, which which is important. And he also put in a few tackles as well, which is something we we've also criticized him on about on, on this pod. And I didn't I don't know what the stats were like in in the, the second half, but after the first half he had the the most touches and the most passes of any villa player. And it's normally a defender that has that sort of stat because we obviously we try and a lot of the defenders sort of we play at the back and, and we're quite patient with the ball sometimes. What did you make of his performance and, and we've had a couple of questions around around him as well. Ethan Woodward was one about if he, if he keeps playing the way he is playing now to the end of the season, would you would you consider still signing him or would you think that ship has sailed? Yeah, I think, um, like you say, the fact that he covered most distance is, is a really good sign because it shows that he's willing to put the effort in now to, to try and make it a longer-term thing at Villa, uh, try and prove people wrong. And whether there was a fitness issue, a COVID issue has been rumoured, you know, like I've touched on in, in the last few weeks, you don't know what's going on in these people's lives. It could have been personal reasons that he was having a, a down couple of months. You just don't know. But he didn't look himself. And I did say a couple of weeks ago that rather than slagging him off or being angry with him, I just felt quite sad that a player with such talent wasn't wasn't doing it and didn't really seem to be interested. So the last couple of weeks has been really refreshing to see that his head's back in the game more than anything because when he's on it and when he's working hard, you know, the harder you work, Watkins is proof that you get your rewards. So if you're running more, you're going to get the ball more. You're going to make more tackles. You're going to have the opportunity to create more. You're going to get more shots off and you're going to make more of an impact in the game. So just that very stat alone is enough for me to to, to sort of be encouraged by his performance because, um, you know, like you say, for, for an attacking midfielder to have the most touches of the ball and cover the most distance, it, it's pretty rare. And... Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely really pleased for him and I hope that's the start of something now um, for the next four or five weeks for him and, and he really does give Smith a decision to make in the summer. But, you know, the sort of money that Chelsea um, are going to want, um, for me, he hasn't proven it over a long enough period, to be honest. Um, yeah, if he, if he puts in another four or five excellent performances between now and the end of the season and we can say he's had seven or eight 
10 good games for us, then great. But two or three good games in a six-month period isn't enough to warrant a £30 million transfer fee or whatever Chelsea is going to ask. So I'm not just going to jump on the bandwagon after a few good games. I'm really pleased for him. I want him to do well. I'm delighted to see him um, back out there sort of with a bit of energy and making things happen. He's a very talented player and I'm sh- I really hope he does um, fulfil his fulfill his potential somewhere and if it is with us then great because that means he's he's done enough to to prove to Dean Smith and the coaching team that he's worth taking a gamble on next season yeah they're the ones that see him day in day out nine to five we you know we judge him on 90 minutes every seven days and obviously that's 90 minutes that does matter but um yeah let's let's wait and see on that one yeah, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think um, if we're talking about fifteen million odd or fifteen to twenty million pounds, I'd be, I'd be a bit more tempted because it's, it's probably worth a gamble there, especially if you can get the performances out of him again. Um, but anything more than that, I think you know, there's, there's better out there. And with the scouting system we've got now and the recruitment team that we've got, you'd expect them to pick out better for, for that kind of money. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens the rest of the rest of the uh, rest of the season, and who knows whether he'll be playing at the same level. Uh, against better teams as well. Obviously, we've got a hard running coming up. Um, so, so we'll wait and see. Um, let's quickly just talk about the second half and then we'll go on some comments and questions. Uh, just a few of them because obviously we'll try to go through them uh, throughout the pod anyway. But um, second half, it was quite different to the first half, really not as end-to-end, not as many chances. Everton probably had uh, the better of the chances and started the second half quite well. Uh, we were quite loose with our, with our passing, I thought, in that, in that second half early on. Um, but it was quite interesting to see us, so how we manage that game. Um, Jugs, uh, you know, we've we've been critical of recent weeks of, of our game management. Obviously, we've lost quite a few leads, which is not something we saw early part of the season. But when Everton were attacking and, and obviously looked a much better team in that second half, uh, what was interesting to see was how we how we managed that game, and we, we sort of slowed it down. Did you, did you think when? Instead of sort of playing more direct, we tried to be a bit more patient with our passing and, and sort of Louise came a bit deeper to collect the ball from the keeper and, and Mings and Konza were sort of playing in between them. It meant that we weren't obviously as uh, big of an attacking threat, but it meant that we sort of sort of um, cut that momentum that Everton had. How, how did you th- what did you think about that and the way that we sort of managed that game in the second half? Yeah, really interesting point, actually. Um, so I thought Everton started off the second half really bright for the first 10, 15 minutes and I thought they might go on and, and get the win and... Yeah, we came back into it and I thought what you said is probably spot on and I didn't probably realise um, during the game where we did slow it down and I thought, you know, with sort of 20 minutes, 25 minutes to go that Smith's going to put Davis on and we're going to go direct but he didn't He didn't make that change and I thought that was quite interesting and it obviously paid off so Smith made the right choice whether he thought that he didn't want to sort of affect um, the performance in terms of we were pretty solid I thought defensively I thought Mings had a really good game defensively uh, aside from sort of one header I think he sort of misjudged or there was a lack of communication um, I thought we would look quite solid so I think Smith was sort of trusted in the players that we were playing solid enough and we still had another chance in us and he didn't want to make a change to change the formation or move Watkins over to the left because he was having such a good influence, well, influential game um, but yeah, I think we did slow it down and um, our build-up play, I thought um, Dougie did sort of drop in to be a third centre-back at times and Mings and Konzo did push out wide slightly compared to what we normally would do and we didn't just try and hit Oli uh, every time in that second half. So I think we did try to vary up slightly and uh, I thought, yeah, Smith obviously didn't 
didn't make the change and didn't change the, the formation or anything, and it did come off with that with that El Ghazi goal. So, yeah, again, a, a bit credit to Smith. He must have seen something that I, I personally didn't because I thought we were probably crying out to go direct with Davis, to be honest. Yeah, it was something actually Ollie Watkins mentioned in the, the post-match. I think it was Ollie Watkins. He said how they'd been working all, all week in training in terms of their build-up play, just trying to be a bit more patient with the ball. I think that's what we saw in the second half where the, the, the space was cut out a little bit by Everton. Uh, we tried to be a bit more patient with our play. And I, th- I think it paid off ultimately. It meant obviously we had less chances because it wasn't as gunk high as the first half, but obviously it worked because we, we won the game. Um, and speaking of which, the, the, the second goal, we sort of mentioned it already. Chazzy, me and Juggsy were talking about that and um, talking about the finish. It was a great finish, uh, fantastic goal, great build-up play. As you said, the one-touch one passing and Troy coming inside, passing it to Ogazi. But Pickford had an amazing game obviously, uh, and especially that save against Watkins, which at first I thought what Watkins should do better, but then watching it back is actually a fantastic save. Yeah. But do you think he could have done better for that goal? Because me and Juggsy were, were thinking if it was Martinez in goal, we think he might get a hand on it because it's not actually in the corner of the goal, is it? It's hit a pace, but, you know, Pickford, renowned as, as being a bit of a T-Rex, yeah. uh, small hands, he, he didn't get anywhere near it. Yeah, he- he perhaps could have done better. I think Algarzi, although it was obvious that he was going to cut inside and take the shot, I did think he took the shot sort of quicker than Pickford was expecting. Sort of there was not a huge backlift, and he sort of whipped it away into the sort of far corner quicker than Pickford could get set. I think what we should credit with the goal as well is Barkley's run. Barkley runs across the defender to to create that space. I think it's, is it still Coleman in right back position? It yeah. has to track that run a bit. So that gives space, Al Ghazi space to shift inside. If, if Barkley doesn't make that run, then we don't score that goal basically because Coleman can just get out and block the shot. So credit to Barkley for that as well. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was an excellent team goal. Jugsy touched on it earlier, buzzing for Al Ghazi, a bit of a redemption from last year at the same end of the ground at Goodison Park, I think it is. Um, and, um, like you say, eight goals, eight goals and four assists in, in 12 starts. Uh, you know, there's been a few penalties in there, but um, just really pleased for him and um, and, and Traore as well, impacting the game with the assist. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised Delft didn't foul him, to be honest, as he ran across, but yeah, good to see Delft doing something wrong. And I think McGinn left a bit of a strange on. performance, wasn't it, from Everton? Very yeah, strange. Very, very, very strange. It felt, like they, it felt like they were the ones that were mid-table and, and on the beach a bit, whereas... Uh, you know, if we beat, if we, um, we might come on to it, but if we beat them next week again, then we've got a real chance of uh, jumping above them and uh, you never know. You, you did get the passport out of Chad's, didn't you? I saw on uh, I did, Instagram. Mate, I did, It's always just, <laughs> just always on the periphery, just in case. Yeah, it, would, it was a weird performance by Everton. Um, we, I mean, we, we talked about it in, the, in the preview pod um, and AJ mentioned in terms of, obviously Everton have been poor at home, as we've talked about here today as well, but it's definitely been an upward trend in their home performances over the last four or five games in terms of the chances they're creating, how they're playing. So they were actually in form at home, really. So it's even more impressive in terms of the performance and how well we did. Uh, you know, this is, like I said, this is a team that's been building, trying to push for that top four spot and building a squad to do that. You know, they look at Sigurdsson, Gomez, Richarlison, these types of players have spent 20, 30 million pounds plus on these types of players. Uh, and we've probably got one or two players who are in that bracket, really. So, you know, massive, massive, massive performance. Um, let's move on to some of the comments, uh, unless there's anything else you guys want to want to push on or talk about. Perfect. Right. So, I mean, the, most of the cricket. comments... Cricket. <laughs> More cricket. 
Let's talk. Let's, should we do a should we do a play by play of your each shot? I heard there were a lot of singles. No, no, plenty of boundaries, mate. Plenty of boundaries. Yeah, sure, sure. Jugsy said he was outscoring you at one point, Chads. He was, but uh, not not too uh, not too no, uh, rough with some marathon, not a sprint, isn't it, Chads? Exactly, mate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's let's. See. We've gone through most of the comments. I've tried to go through them as, as we've gone along, but most of the comments that are left are, are mainly on the performance and where we go from here. So let, let's just let's just uh, pick out a few. Um, Paul Williams um, said, "I thought we were fantastic in back to performance levels pre-January. Great to see that team back again." Agree, hundred percent, and good to see us playing in that that manner and fluid manner without Grealish as well, which is I think is even a more important thing. It shows you that. There is, there is, there's that kind of performance levels in the squad. We still need to improve, obviously. They're not, you know, we don't take it on face value. That, that's it. That's the way the squad's going to play from now on in. But it's definitely promising. Diggle the Dig Dog said, uh, one of the top three, four performances of the season. Chris fluid passing, wanting the ball and keeping hold of the ball. Just need to increase the consistency of our good performances. Agreed. I think that consistency will come with with better players. Rob Henry makes a good point. He said, a lot of creativity throughout the team, mixed with grit, determination, experience. The growth of the past one months is evident. After 33 games, last season we were 18th with 27 points and a goal difference, minus 26. God, I totally forgot about our goal difference. That's terrible, isn't it? 12 months on, we are 10th with 48 points and a goal difference of plus 10. I always think goal difference is a good indication of how well the team's playing and where you should be in the table. So that's... That's massive, you know. Even now, it's just, it's just phenomenal, mate. Absolutely mm. phenomenal. And just clip that up. That that little sort of ten second summary of last season compared to this season. Just clip it up, and every just post it and reply to anybody if they ever question Smith, please, because yeah. it's just that's all you need to know. You know, yeah. forget context, forget context, forget weekly performances, forget form, forget injuries, forget the lot. Just, just you've just summarised it absolutely brilliantly. Mm, massive, massive, massive improvement. Uh, Jess, uh, actually, this was to comment on. There's this a rumor, transfer rumor, jokes for you, mate. I need your help on this one. Harry Hans is back for those who are on uh, Villa Talk. It probably isn't Harry Hans, it's probably just some random school kid. Uh, but he says Valencia midfielder Carlos Soler has been recommended to the owners. I'm not sure why the owners are getting involved with transfers. I don't think they get involved in day to day stuff. Nabil Fekir, also under consideration. Villa to go big this summer. With owners satisfied with progress made under Dean Smith. Well, thanks, Harry Hans. I'm sure you're privy to all that information. Uh, weirdly, I'm not sure why you would be. Harry Hans left with Paul Lambert, I thought. But anyway, um, Carlos Sulla, uh, Jess said that even though it's probably bullshit, I think this is the type of villa player, this is the type of player villa need and will target in the summer. It also fits into the type of club we would be looking at to target for transfers given their well documented financial problems. Yeah. I've never I've never seen much of him. Uh, obviously, wow. just heard good things. Thoughts? Well, he scored an absolute screamer on the weekend against Barcelona, like thirty-yard screamer. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's quite a good player, very technical. Plays can play eight, ten, or on the right hand side. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's quite. He's a Spanish international, been linked with quite a few big clubs. Um, so I think he'll probably move for a Champions League club, to be honest. But you're looking at what 35, 40 mil probably for him. Um, but he's a good player for us because we need someone who's a good set piece taker and he takes the corners and free kicks I think he's he put in um, he's got quite a few assists from, from set pieces as well this season so he's, if we can get him then great but I'm not sure where he'd fit in, into the side um, especially I'm not sure if he'd be good enough well I'm not sure 
if we want him in the central areas or out wide, I think it'd probably be the central area, maybe as an eight or a 10. So it'd be an interesting one. But Fakir, can't see that one happening. Um, again, he's uh, been at Batiste, which which was an odd mood because I thought it'd be bigger clubs in for him. But he's a, a massive goal threat. Um, and he'd probably be an alternative to, to Barkley. So if we're not going for Barkley, then he could be that one that we want in that number 10 position. But he's a, an outstanding player for me. Um He's a bit like Havertz at, at Chelsea, I would say, uh, but a bit more sort of, um, a bit more of a natural finisher, I'd say. So um, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a good prospect. Again, I think he's probably a bit, in terms of his calibre of player, again, looking at sort of Champions League level um, team, really. So, yeah, I mean, if you're linked with these types of players, it just shows that we're going to be quite aggressive in the market. So it should be a positive. Right, yeah, and no, I, well, sorry to throw that curveball in there, but I just saw that transfer room and it started early already but let's see we'll, we'll talk about that as in when the time comes and just a couple of last comments uh, hot diggity D further demonstration of how effective Smithball Smithball can be when he has players up to the task in the final third Barkley didn't need to be brilliant just good enough he needs that quality for his system to work if he's given more of it in the summer I think we'll push on again Sanj Pradhan uh, glad we play Everton in a few weeks uh, I think it's next week isn't it although their away form is bonkers Barkley will be at it again for that one had his best game in ages and we overran the midfield ever since lack of pace played into our hands as we were quicker and sharper, which was great to see. Right, boys, I think that's it really uh, for now. Man United game coming up uh, on Sunday afternoon. Um, potentially Grealish is back. Um, <laughs> potentially, who knows? He's on, is, is, he running, is he on the grass? I'm not sure, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see. He obviously had a flare-up just before the Fulham game, but just quickly, Chad's your thoughts on, on that game. Obviously, we'll have the preview pod later in the week, but is this, the, is this the, the the time, the season that we finally beat Man United at home? Yeah, I think it is. We'll win that. Um, pretty confident we'll win that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I really do think we'll win that. Um, bit of confidence, two good performances. You know, if Jack is back in the mix, then just give us the points now. But um, I'd say 2-0. Nice, mate. Um, well, we might not even need to play it because if, um, if the protests happen again, then... Uh, yeah. The Premier League are well within the rights to give us the three points, and given we've got no space at all to play any 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 more games, then I think we'll have to take the three points. Um, I'll take that definitely. Uh, Jugs, your thoughts on the game, and and would you, if Grealish is back, would you put him? Would you put him straight back in? And if so, who would you put him in for? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, if he's fit, I'd rather put him back in straight away. I think he just needs to get minutes under his belt, and if he's fit enough to train, then why not? And yeah, I think Algarzi or Barkley be the one who probably miss out I think probably Agazi um, just give him a Ramadan rest Ramadan rest yeah well it's, it seems harsh on Agazi obviously scoring the, the winner but he was, he was probably our weakest player overall on, on against Everton especially that first half where he managed to managed to lose the ball quite a few times early part of the, the game but anyway we'll move on uh, let's hope we have that problem to deal with on, on, on Sunday and Jack is back Thanks again, boys, for your time and excellent insights. As always, thank you for listening. Please do follow and subscribe on, on whatever podcast platform you're on if you haven't done already. And please follow us on Twitter at Villa Podcast or on Word. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the boys again. And uh, up the Villa. Up the Villa. Go on, shake it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.